This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. There's maybe no observer who is more ready for Donald Trump's arraignment on Tuesday than Norm Eisen. As a former White House ethics czar, he's been anticipating Trump's arrest for years. He even worked with the House Judiciary Committee when it brought its first impeachment case against Trump. For the last few months, every now and again, he would pop up on cable news to predict the future. Do you think there is an imminency? And what is the likelihood of what the charges uh, are about? Like, this is Norm two years back. So long ago that Chris Cuomo was still a host on CNN. At the time, criminal charges had just been brought against the Trump organization. And there was speculation that the former president could be next. It does seem that charges are imminent. Um, We've talked about this before. The storm clouds have been gathering a number of signs. And now... So now that criminal charges have been brought against the former president by Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg, I wanted to catch up with Norm on what a long, wild ride it's been. I have been out on a limb for the past two weeks saying charges are coming. They're coming soon. There's a strong case here. The evidence is powerful. Yeah, I mean, when we first heard this case was moving forward, before we even knew the charges, before they were unsealed, you tweeted, at last, no one is above the law. You sounded relieved. Yeah, thank you for not saying you sounded gleeful. Yes, I was personally relieved. Can you imagine how foolish I would have looked if Bragg never filed? My God, that would not have been a very good look for me. The charges that were unsealed this week were unsurprising. Dozens of counts of falsifying business records in an attempt to cover up hush money payments to porn star Stormy Daniels. Daniels and Trump allegedly had a sexual encounter years ago. But in the weeks leading up to the 2016 election, the DA says Trump wanted to make sure as few people knew about that as possible. It is exactly what Norm had been anticipating. So, of course, this week his phone was blowing up with old high school friends wanting his take, along with fellow lawyers. The thing is, even after the charges got filed and the arraignment was over, no one could quite agree whether bringing this case was a good idea. There were a lot of what-ifs, questions about whether the criminal case will hold up, especially next to all the other investigations Trump is facing. I would say there were two camps. One camp saying, um, this Manhattan case is just great. The hush money is the only case uh, where the Trump's conduct might have actually changed the outcome of an election. That's one camp. And then the other camp is, no, the other cases are stronger. The predicates for taking this books and records misdemeanor and bumping it up to a felony are uncertain. There's that camp, too. 
To be honest, this is the camp a lot of my Slate colleagues are in right now. Mark Joseph Stern's write-up of Tuesday's arraignment carried the headline, This is not the slam-dunk case Democrats wanted. But today, we'll get Norm's take. I believe that this is a righteous case, so I'm firmly in Camp 1, and I've been taking on all comers who are in Camp 2. Today on the show, why Donald Trump should be taking the DA's case against him very seriously. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, by the time this story airs, many of my listeners will know the broad outlines of what happened in New York this week. They'll know that Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg brought 34 charges against Trump, all of them for falsifying business records. It seems like a lot of charges to me. Is it a lot of charges to you? You know, I've been doing this for more than three decades. I've litigated criminal cases in New York, and this is the standard approach of New York DA's offices. If there's some technical flaw, there's 11 counts for false invoices, 11 for false checks and check stubs, and 12 for false general ledger entries. Suppose there's a problem and there's not a false writing on some check stub and that count gets thrown out. You don't want to have one count where there's a failure of proof and the whole, all the check proof is wiped out. Maybe the other 10 are perfectly good. So there's a reason they do it this way. These charges revolve around Stormy Daniels the adult film actress who had a sexual encounter with Trump, but also a couple other people, Karen McDougal, who is another person who had a sexual encounter with Trump, a doorman who said he knew that Trump had had relationships outside of his marriage. And these people were all paid off before the 2016 election. It was, and even worse for intent, Trump said, can you stall until on Stormy? Can you stall until after the election when I won't care anymore? Do you need more proof of criminal intent than that? Right. What's important about the pattern of the cases, they establish the overall um, structure of the wrongdoing. They're critical to showing Trump's intent. 
And they're all heavily corroborated by other people, not just Michael, who we know is going to be the target of a very, very vigorous uh, cross-examination. Michael Cohen. Yeah, Michael Cohen. And so you're making this point that the DA is really laying out a pattern, connecting these payments to the election, using stories about Trump himself connecting them in this way. The thing that a lot of people are talking about is that these are Class E felony charges, which is the lowest class of felony. But falsifying business records with the intent to defraud is typically a misdemeanor. Wrong. 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 Forgive me for interrupting so rudely, but I feel <laughs> I feel strongly about the misinformation. It's entirely appropriate and common to charge um, false books and records as a felony. And uh, I, I just don't, I, I think that, you know, the people who are saying that just haven't cracked the books. I cracked the books for them. So you're saying what Alvin Bragg is doing here is kind of standard. He's done it before? It is boringly normal. And those who say otherwise are simply focusing on the accident that this is a books and records case to cover up another crime involving a former president and campaign finance violations in the form of hush money. Here's why this legal argument matters. If you charge this bookkeeping fraud as a misdemeanor, you only have to prove that Trump was lying. But if you charge Trump as a felon, you need to prove that not only did he lie, he lied in service of some other crime. The DA is alleging that other crime could be a campaign finance violation or something tax-related. A lot of people worry proving these other crimes is going to be hard to do. But Norm says it's been done. A lot. The Norman case, the uh, Dote case. He walked us through one example, that of Richard Brega. This guy was known as the bus czar of Rockland County, New York. Like Trump is alleged to have done, Brego lied about how he was spending his business's money in order to influence an election. He had a huge contract, bus business contract with Rockland County, which is why he cared about who got elected in Rockland County. He funneled covert benefits into a campaign. In that case, he was limited by campaign finance violations on the amounts of contributions he hid it. He was discovered. He was prosecuted by the Rockland County DA, convicted on two counts of, you guessed it, felony books and records falsification. My point is, this case is very likely going to make it to the jury. Those other cases either resulted in conviction in New York State or guilty pleas. Bragg has got a good case. What would you say to someone like election law expert Rick Hassan, who wrote for Slate that this kind of case, the one that Bragg is bringing, can give credence to Trump's claims that this is a witch hunt against him? If you look at these other cases, the risk runs the other way. Why should it be that a Clarence Norman or a John Dote Why should it be that any of those individuals 
committing this identical conduct, not to mention Michael Cohen, that they should go to jail and Donald Trump should skate. The job of a prosecutor is to determine whether a crime has been committed and there is proof, they believe that there is proof beyond a reasonable doubt sufficient to con- to uh, convince a jury. If there is, and other people are getting charged, it would be a terrible wrong to pass on the case simply because some ill-informed Trump acolyte is going to go on Fox News and make false claims about political retaliation. So I have to disagree with Rick. He's got it backwards. With love. With love. So after Trump left the courtroom, Alvin Bragg came out and he made his case to the public. The defendant repeatedly made false statements on New York business records. As this office has done time and time again, we today uphold our solemn responsibility to ensure that everyone stands equal before the law. And then, of course, a few hours later, Trump made his case as well from Mar-a-Lago. This is where we are as a nation. Who would have thought they can't beat us at the ballot box, so they try and beat us through the law. That's the country in which we live, however, right now. The USA is a mess. So I'm wondering what you saw in these two events from these two men who are now going to spend the next few months battling it out in court. I thought Bragg was dignified. Um, The New York ethics rules, governing prosecutors, I like to think as the former ethics czar, I know a little bit about the rules. Um, They allow him some leeway and um, he operated well within those confines. I don't think you're going to see a lot more public speaking from him, as is traditional. Prosecutors make a comment. Feds do the same thing. Have a press conference. They announce the charges. There's a long statement of facts here. They speak for themselves. What a contrast with Trump's wild, rambling, threatening presentation at Mar-a-Lago. It felt like a stump speech, but then also he went through all the cases against him and was calling out prosecutors and his judge in New York kind of one by one. They're so far beyond the pale and frankly so dangerous when he talks about death and destruction when he posted, then took down, but he posted a picture of him swinging a baseball bat at Alvin Bragg. Prosecutors in this case might, well, at some point go in and seek a gag order. Even if you're the former president of the United States. Look, if you're going to go around threatening uh, officers of the court, uh, not to mention the judges who are in charge of those officers, if you're going to build a record, he's handing it to prosecutors on a silver platter, right? Because there's a record. So, um, you know, they're giving him enough rope. We'll see if he hangs himself. But uh, that, he did himself no favors on the eventual gag order in this or other cases. How fast is this case going to move? Not fast. Like the next court date isn't until December? Not fast. It's just going to crawl through like they all seem to? (laughs) That's New York. Well, should Trump be treated 
Again, he shouldn't be treated better than other defendants, but he shouldn't be treated worse than other defendants either. That's the pace. It probably suits him. He always wants delay. And I don't think he should be unduly disadvantaged. If he wants to go faster, he can file a motion and they'll speed <laughs> things up. I don't doubt Unlikely. It. I don't think we're going to see that from Donald Trump. Something that struck me this week as I was watching the kind of wall-to-wall coverage and speculation about what might happen when the indictment was unsealed, all I could think was, are we going to see this show on repeat for the next few months? Because there are four criminal investigations into Trump right now, right? Yes, I don't think you'll see. I don't think you'll see four reruns. I don't play slot machines, um, but, you know, it's like uh, in the legal slot machine. You need to get ka-ching, 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 ka-ching. I don't think you're going to get all four. After the break, what other criminal charges are we going to get? Coming soon from Slate Podcasts. So, first it was Dade County. Voters in the Miami area repealed civil rights for gay people by a two-to-one margin. In the late 1970s, cities around the country began rolling back anti-discrimination laws that protected gay people. And then it was Wichita, St. Paul, Eugene. Successful campaigns against the gay community which shocked us all. A state senator from California watched the laws fall and saw an opportunity. Homosexuality is a most repulsive lifestyle. His name was John Briggs, and he wanted to deliver the anti-gay movement its biggest prize yet. California realized that they were coming for us. I'm Christina Cotarucci. This season on Slow Burn, we'll explore how a nationwide backlash against gays and lesbians led to a massive showdown in California. Now it's something called Proposition 6, the Briggs Initiative. It would call for firing any teachers in California who practice homosexuality. Your life as you knew it would be destroyed. We've got to fight back. We can't let this happen in California. The Briggs Initiative would be the first statewide vote on gay rights. With so much at stake, young people became activists. We were all coming out all day long, every day. (laughs) And activists became leaders. My name is Harvey Milk, and I'm here to recruit you. Slow Burn, Season 9, Gays Against Briggs. Out May 22nd, wherever you listen. If we lose here, it'll be 50 years before we ever get back up again. Like the drag queens say, take out the earrings, sharpen the nails. There ain't no going back. Norm Eisen says Donald Trump's next set of legal problems could very well come from Georgia. Fonnie Willis is the district attorney of Fulton County, and she is weighing whether to charge Trump for interfering in the 2020 presidential election. For months, she had her own special grand jury investigating. And earlier this year, she claimed charges were imminent. Fannie Willis has been bold in saying imminent. (laughs) Charges are imminent. And she said that, you know, weeks and weeks ago. Yeah, I've 
<laughs> We've been waiting. I, as I said, I've been doing these cases for more than 30 years, mostly as a defense lawyer. I had one case where it took nine years for the prosecutors, federal prosecutors, to charge my client. Can you imagine what those nine years were like? <laughs> Brutal. Not for me. I was billing. It's like dog years, okay? But do we have dog years? I mean, there's a presidential election coming up. Isn't there like a ticking clock? They can't be influenced by the political considerations. They got to put blinders on. You bring the case when it's ready. What is Fannie Willis doing? She got that special grand jury report. She is now presenting the case, as you're supposed to do, to a regular grand jury. She's undoubtedly negotiating cooperation agreements. I'm telling you, the Fannie Willis case is coming. And it's a strong case. And it's, you know, it's going to be in the coming. Have me back if I guess May and I turn out to be right. There's two other big investigations hounding Trump. They're both being handled by Jack Smith, special counsel for the Department of Justice. One looks into Trump's actions on January 6th. And the other tackles how he handled classified documents after he left office. When it comes to that documents case, Smith's been busy. In February, he compelled a member of Trump's legal team to testify before a grand jury. You don't uh, do the kinds of things he's doing unless you're very serious. But I think he's much further along in the classified documents case, the Mar-a-Lago case, than he is in the uh, attempted coup, the January 6th case. It's a much easier case to prove. A second part of it is you don't really do Trump's lawyer uh, unless you're towards the end. That's like you only get one shot at it. I could go on. They're having witnesses back in for a second round. That's something you typically do at the back end of the case. And on and on and on. And as you say, there's the background fact that this is a much more simple, clear-cut case. Mary, if you or I took a single one of these documents, we'd be looking at prosecution, conviction, and possible jail time. Look at poor reality winner. To take over a hundred of our nation's most sensified class, sensitive classified documents. I coined a new word, sensified. <laughs> uh, most sensitive classified documents um, and refuse to turn them over, to steal them and refuse to turn them over. That's beyond. It's funny, you started this by saying that, you know, you thought, yeah, there are these four criminal investigations, but something's got to fall out here. Like, they're not all going to be able to move forward. That's the January 6th. But that's the biggest one of all. Well, but you have Georgia. But it doesn't feel to you like like we're going after the petty things and not the big one? No, what's petty about Georgia? Georgia's the attempted coup. It has the best facts, the best law. It's the only place besides Michael Cohen's tape of Trump talking hush money, it's the only place where, as far as we know, we have not just the famous tape of Trump extorting Brad Raffensperger to just find 11,780 votes on January 3rd, but other tapes. I just think, um, you know, that is the place to litigate the attempted coup. I did, so I think Jack Smith, we know he's behind. He's, DOJ started late. They, they probably started close to a year and a half after Fonnie did, and she's still going. 
I think Jack Smith is trailing. There aren't as there aren't these huge troves of hundreds of prosecutions. You don't have that for like Trump being charged for giving aid and comfort to insurrectionists. So those the novelty of those charges as important and valid, I think they're merited, but I gotta say as an analyst, they are much less likely than the other three. Yeah, what you're saying is that Donald Trump has a very busy calendar when it comes to his legal concerns. It's interesting, though, talking about all these cases, Trump seems obsessed with the idea that they're being pursued to keep him from office. But even a conviction in the New York case wouldn't mean he couldn't run for president, right? If he wasn't in jail. Correct. Correct. Would any of these cases... No one case, Mary. But I think the combination of them, while they might not prevent him from running, you can't run very fast with an anchor around your neck, an anvil in both arms, and uh, a ball and chain uh, on your ankles. And these cases are collectively such a drag on his electability. He can run, but he can't run very fast, and I don't think he can cross the finish line. Norm, I'm super grateful for your time. Thanks for thanks for taking it. Mary, it was so great, and, uh, you know, I thunk of things I never thunk before. So I have to thank you. Norm Eisen is a senior fellow in governance studies at the Brookings Institution. He's also the co-founder and executive chair of the States United Democracy Center. And that's our show. If you're a fan of What Next, the best way to support us is to join Slate Plus. Go on over to slate.com slash whatnextplus to sign up. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Anna Phillips, Paige Osborne, and Madeline Ducharme. We are getting a ton of support right now from Laura Spencer and Jared Downing. We are led by Alicia Montgomery with a little help from Susan Matthews. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations here at Slate. And I'm Mary Harris. Go track me down on Twitter. I'm at Mary's desk. I'm handing things off to Lizzie O'Leary and the What Next TBD crew for now. And I'll be back in this feed on Monday. Talk to you then. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Coming soon from Slate Podcasts. So, first it was Dade County. Voters in the Miami area repealed civil rights for gay people by a two-to-one margin. In the late 1970s, cities around the country began rolling back anti-discrimination laws that protected gay people. And then it was Wichita, St. Paul, Eugene. Successful campaigns against the gay community which shocked us all. A state senator from California watched the laws fall and saw an opportunity. Homosexuality is a most repulsive lifestyle. His name was John Briggs, 
and he wanted to deliver the anti-gay movement its biggest prize yet. California realized that they were coming for us. I'm Christina Cotarucci. This season on Slow Burn, we'll explore how a nationwide backlash against gays and lesbians led to a massive showdown in California. Now it's something called Proposition 6, the Briggs Initiative. It would call for firing any teachers in California who practice homosexuality. Your life as you knew it would be destroyed. We've got to fight back. We can't let this happen in California. The Briggs Initiative would be the first statewide vote on gay rights. With so much at stake, young people became activists. We were all coming out all day long, every day. (laughs) And activists became leaders. My name is Harvey Milk, and I'm here to recruit you. Slow Burn, Season 9, Gays Against Briggs. Out May 22nd, wherever you listen. If we lose here, it'll be 50 years before we ever get back up again. Like the drag queens say, take out the earrings, sharpen the nails, there ain't no going back.